pitch explodes. What was your mindset when you stepped in the batter's box? Go yard. I mean, <laughs> I'm a pitcher. Why not swing as hard as I can? He was so worked up, he vomited on the sideline and then just kept on yelling at his teammates, Steve. <laughs> Coach, Minshew mania, the mustache sensation has taken over Pullman. Well, I don't know. I don't even think he had a mustache when I recruited him. I don't recall. Becoming a sideline reporter for ESPN didn't make me popular. This thing did. I've been getting offers for it all day long. All right, guys, here we go. We're going to have one team, one heartbeat. All right, now we're going to play for each other. We're going to have each other's back. We're going to win this ball game. One team, one heartbeat. Here we go. go. That might be the best sideline report in the history of sideline reports. <laughs> Welcome into this edition of the Sideline Pass podcast following an all-time epic weekend in college football. We're going to break it all down and look ahead to the upcoming week of games. Allison, Chris, and Molly with you, as always. Um, ladies, this weekend was probably like collectively one of the more memorable weekends between the, the close games, the comeback in the Red River shootout. Uh, Alabama falling. I mean, like it, it just kind of had it all. It was one of those great reminders of why we love this sport so much. Uh, what were your reactions to just kind of the the craziness and awesomeness that was uh, this past weekend of college football? I mean, well, I have a couple of thoughts. One is like, this is why you need multiple screens going on at, at the same time, because when you're watching like Texas OU, the same time the Arkansas Miss game is going on, and I was already at my game. So we're getting like updates in our ear. And I'm like, how is all of this happening at the same time? And then it's also a reminder of do not book early flights. Like if I make a 5.30 a.m. flight again, I was like, so I was watching the Alabama Texas A&M game and Alabama blocks that punt. And I'm like, oh, here we go. I mean, Saban, you know, he's going to pull it out. I guess I'll go to bed and get six hours of sleep. And then I... In the middle of the night, it goes ding, ding. And it's YouTube being like, holy shit, holy shit. And I'm like, <laughs> I was going to say, did I wake up? <laughs> so I'm no glad we 5.30 a.m. flights. I'm glad we could be the ones to break it to you, Chris. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was what a weekend in college football, starting with the Red River rivalry game. That was so electric, the back and forth and the comeback from Oklahoma. And maybe I guess I should apologize to Sooner fans for telling them to stop booing their quarterback, (laughs) which I'm still against by the way, but they knew that there was something special with Caleb Williams. He looked like a stud and he looked like he is the future quarterback for Oklahoma moving forward. Um, I think that's going to be a tricky situation for Lincoln Riley to figure out. It's also going to be a tricky situation for broadcasters to handle because a coach like Lincoln Riley is going to be extremely protective of Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams. Like, I don't think we saw an interview with Caleb Williams after the game, probably because they say that he's a freshman and he can't do interviews and they're going to reject any media requests for him. Um, So that's going to be a tricky situation, but it kind of reminds you of like Jalen Hurts at Alabama with Tua Tungabailoa coming in, you know, and winning them a championship. You, you look at these situations. So it's kind of like you, you look at a lot of these quarterbacks that we saw at the beginning of this season, the Spencer Rattlers and, and the DJ Uyunglele's who are going to change these programs. And some of them aren't panning out and teams are going in different directions. I think it's really interesting to see the fallout from that. So I think that was the biggest takeaway from 
that Red River game was, you know, the quarterback situation, what they're going to do to manage that moving forward. And then Texas A&M, Alabama, let's talk about one of the most emotional videos that we've seen to come out from the weekend. The kicker, I think his name is Seth Small, his, his family was watching him kick the field goal to win the game. And they're, they can't watch, they can't breathe. They're like sobbing. And it's just a reminder because a lot of people say like, oh, you know, why do you like college football over the NFL? Why don't you want to cover the NFL? Things like that. Moments like that are what make us love college football because any given moment in the game can be a career, like life-changing moment for someone. And it means everything to them. So I thought that was really incredible. One of my favorite moments of the weekend. And I almost missed that part of the game. So we were coming back from the Michigan, Nebraska game in the car. Um, It took us like 30 minutes to drive a mile down the road. And so many Nebraska fans stayed late because it was such a good game that I had no service and I couldn't stream the game. And literally, as the ball went through the uprights, I was able to finally stream the game and see that AM won. And I could not believe it. It was amazing. I'll, I'll tell you where I was since we're kind of doing like it, it was a little bit of a where were you when moment. Yeah. So my husband and I actually got a date night for the first time. I can't even tell you how long we had a sitter. So we went out with some friends. And the thing that killed me, like California is great, whatever. It's beautiful. Weather's perfect, blah, blah, blah. It is not a good sports town, community, area. I'm in Southern California. I'm in San Diego. I mean, like it just, people are not that into college football. I remember a few years ago, we went to brunch um, in like the Newport area and I wanted a game change to Miami game. And I thought a bunch of people were going to get pissed off because like Ohio state or some other big program was playing. Nobody said anything. And I realized then like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal out here. Right. So I'm at the bar or like a restaurant with thankfully multiple televisions. And I'm like, constantly moving because my husband's moving as he's talking I'm next to him obviously and uh and <laughs> sounds romantic Allison <laughs> oh I was totally he's like you're so annoying right now I'm like, you know what you signed up for um but <laughs> the best part was when it when it goes final they kick that field goal I scream and start hitting him and everybody's like what is wrong with what? this girl who is this <laughs> you know, like, yeah like like totally oblivious in their own conversations I'm like oh my god they freaking pulled that out I can't freak you know freaking out and everybody just thinks I'm having like a seizure or something um so, so that on, was my so kind of- you were on a date I was asleep and Molly had no car yes <laughs> had no internet service <laughs> and traffic. in a car yep absolutely we totally were appropriate different places but I do think it was a where were you moment because I couldn't believe this when I read it it snapped Alabama's streak of beating unranked opponents a hundred game streak a hundred games that's unbelievable it's yeah. just insane. That yeah, case, it was awesome. like when I went and watched it back when I woke up in the morning, it like, it's like he shanks it left and then it just goes in. It was like, God was like, Texas A&M is not winning today. Do you <laughs> know who shot the video of the girlfriend and the mom and the family? Like, how did we get that? Does anybody know where that came from? And I have was it no just idea. somebody else? Because it was a weird angle. Like it was, was it on the broadcast? On the was it on the broadcast? It didn't look like it was. So it, it looked like it would have been AM's like, you know how probably. all of these teams have their own content creation machines now? Right. Like I will be trying to look at the running back who just ran in for a touchdown and their like team guy is standing with like a big camera in the guy's face and they're not even our cameras. So I think mm-hmm. all these teams have their own um, camera people and content creation 
people know. Yeah. I love the end it of the video, awesome. like mom's praying, she's freaking out. And as soon as it goes in, she's like, F it, I'm going on the field. Yeah. She's like, and I love over. how mom, that's how mom knew that it was good was because of the reaction of the crowd. She didn't see it. She didn't watch it. You I could tell, like, she did not see anything. And even when she heard everybody erupt, she just closed her eyes even more and like buried her head. It was such an awesome moment. Um, I can't imagine. And the, the Red River rivalry just kind of like set the tone for the day, right? And, and Molly, you said it best. Like that is a bucket list game and it is always insane. And the comebacks or the back and forth, I mean, like that game every year it delivers. It reminds me of like Jay Billis then when he always says about North Carolina and Duke, it always delivers. Um, mm-hmm. that, that was insane. And full disclosure, I actually was in bed for the final of that one, putting my son down. So you, I, I, <laughs> you're not the only one that missed an epic comeback because you were in bed, Chris. Um, I'm, I'm curious though, like you said, Molly, what's going to happen. And I was just thinking when you brought up like how Lincoln Riley is with his quarterbacks and what he'll do with Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler, because like Riley's their own coach. Like he does everything with the quarterbacks, right? He's the offensive coordinator. He's the quarterback coach. Like he's so involved in that room and with those guys. Um, he's going to have to make some tough decisions because Caleb Williams is special. And I, I don't know how much you can keep him on the bench anymore. I mean, I know you you like what Spencer can do and he's a veteran and he's the one that's put the time in. Um, but when you have a talent like that, like I just don't know how you keep him on the bench. I want to get into Molly, your game. Um, you had Nebraska and Michigan could not believe how well Nebraska played against them. Um, and that place is, is a special place in college football in Lincoln. And it just looked like an insane atmosphere. And of course comes down to the wire again and a field goal and all that. And so what happened though, that had you so, so upset kind of post game as you were stuck in the swarm, leaving the stadium. Um, okay. So a a couple things, um, just reflecting back on that game. First of all, Nebraska is so close. Like they are four plays away from being seven and oh, they are so close to being there. And when we met with Scott Frost, um, you know, he said, this team is close. This is who they should be. We're chipping away at it. And after the game, he said, I thought tonight was the night. Like, I thought this was the night that we could take that next step beat a big team, turn things around. So my heart kind of breaks for Nebraska because I do think they have a really good team. And it was a hard fought game against a top ranked Michigan team, a Michigan team that, you know, has been able to run the ball down people's throats and they were forced to throw it a lot in the first half. Um, So I thought that that showed how close Nebraska is and anyone who thinks that Scott Frost is on a hot seat doesn't see the kind of progress that they've made as a program. So I truly think um, you know, as long as Nebraska is patient, which I think their AD will be, they're going to be fine moving forward. And they have like, they, they're one of those teams that benefited from COVID. They have so many six year seniors right now. Um, so you kind of wonder how that's going to translate next year, but really feel for them and feel for Scott Frost and how frustrated he was. So I was snubbed twice by coaches. Uh, during that game, everyone saw the visual proof of it. Yeah, I know everyone saw the Jim Harbaugh snub after the game, which it's hard to get snubbed by a coach after a win, but I also got snubbed at halftime by Scott Frost. So going in, I like, you guys know how it is at halftime. You're thinking like, okay, which coach do I go to? Who's going to give me a better quote? What information is the most important for me to get at halftime? And that was like score again at half. Um, Michigan was up. 
Michigan was up. Michigan was up by, uh, I think like two scores or something like that. So I was going to get Scott Frost on camera because Jim Harbaugh does not do on camera interviews, um, at halftime of games, another, you know, one of his Harbaugh-isms. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to get Scott Frost on camera. Michigan scores a touchdown. I think they were up like 10, nothing or something like that, or 10, three and, um, something like that. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to put Scott Frost in this position to put him on camera. If he's frustrated, I'll go get Jim first. I'm going to get Jim Harbaugh going in and then I'll get Scott Frost coming back out of the locker room because his left tackle is injured. I can try to find out information about his left tackle, whatever. So uh, just word to the wise going in with Jim Harbaugh is not a good idea. I think because his mind is just churning and he needs to process what happened in the first half, which I, I knew that about him. Like I didn't follow my gut. So I went with Jim going in didn't get great stuff. I like, didn't even write anything down. I was like, all right, that was a wash. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to get Scott Frost coming out. He runs out. I sprint essentially the length of the field behind Scott Frost yelling, coach, coach, (laughs) tapping his shoulder. His players are like, coach, there's someone behind you. And he's like, I don't have time right now, Molly. And I'm like, okay. You know, he's frustrated. I don't know what's going on with them. And so I, you know, but I didn't, I didn't get anything at halftime, which is really frustrating as a sideline reporter, as you guys know, that's like yeah, what like we're supposed your, to, it's one of my jobs. Heads. Yeah. It's one of my jobs. Right. And it's hard to get into a broadcast like this already. So it's like, I, I was very frustrated by that. So I was, I was hot on the <laughs> sidelines. I'm fuming, stomping back and forth. Like, what am I going to do about this? Nothing. There's nothing I can oh. do. Um, so then after the game, another one of our jobs as a sideline reporter post-game interview live, which, you know, if there's a game right after, you don't always get your interview live. So it's nice when an interview is live because you can be like in the moment and you can be a part of that moment. And so, you know, chase down Jim Harbaugh and he runs away and I like shed some blockers and (laughs) tried to catch him. But the thing that people, so many people are like, that's so disrespectful. Honestly, he was trying to celebrate with his team. And Jim Harbaugh is just like a different kind of cat where he, that's all he was thinking about. He wasn't trying to be a jerk. I truly just think that he wanted to go celebrate with his team. And one takeaway from that is I have never seen him so excited after a win. He's always very measured, very mm-hmm. careful about what he says um, and, and doesn't react much. After that, he was screaming in players' faces, jumping up and down and dancing. Like, have you ever seen Jim Harbaugh yeah. like that? So the fact that he was like that, I was like, all right, this guy gets a pass. Like, I don't, I don't care. People are going to criticize him for this, but he was truly just in the moment. So I thought that was pretty cool to see how excited and happy he was. And I did get an interview with him, um, to tape offline after the fact as well. So it was all good. That's good. You got that. Yeah. Like some things that producers forget is how awkward it is to hold a coach who wants to celebrate. Like two weeks ago, I had Kentucky beating Florida and Mark Stoops, like we knew that they were going to rush the field. And so I just hung out with Mark Stoops, um, like his security guys and ran out there. And because of safety, they wanted to keep the handheld off the field. So my interview was going to be on the cart cam. Well, the cart cam followed Dan Mullen going off the field and didn't stick around for my interview. So they're like trying to find me. And I'm sitting here with Stoops, like what felt like a minute, just being like, okay, they're going to come to us. They're going to come to us. And I was talking about the worst. afterwards. And he was like, well, we had a lot of shots to cut to. So it didn't seem awkward on TV. And I'm like, well, that's great. 
just felt awkward for me who wants to go celebrate with his, you know, his team. And I'm sitting here being like, stand by, stand by. No, really stand by. That also ruins the interview, right? Because they're annoyed and their energy, they went from up here all the way down. Like they've de-escalated. You want to get them at the height of that energy. So you get a good interview when they've been waiting around, they're annoyed. You're not going to get a good interview. I hate that. Yeah. And you don't want to start like small talk with them because then (laughs) next thing they throw it to you and he's in the middle of answering your small talk question. And like that little banter that drives me nuts. And the other thing that drives me nuts, and (laughs) there's a few play by play guys that do this worse than, than others. When they finally do throw to you and it's like, all of a sudden their cadence changes and they slow down and have to throw in like five more adjectives to describe the win. And all of a sudden, now let's go down to Allison Williams on the sideline with the winning head coach. And you're like, dude, I only have so much time. <laughs> Come to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I oh mean, my God, I, it's so annoying. I don't know what it's like to be play by play. I mean, their jobs are so hard. So I, I like, I feel for that in terms of the fact that they're in the middle of a thought and then they have to just like take a turn and throw down to us. But I agree in those moments I'm listening and I'm like, oh, like just ready to go. And the coach is just staring at me. Like, what are you doing? That's the worst feeling ever when you're waiting with an impatient coach. Can we go back to the non Caleb Williams interview? Because I just want to tag on that, that, it is so antiquated, this idea of freshmen not being allowed to talk. And that's been an OU thing for a while. And I'm sure why they wouldn't let Caleb Williams talk. But he goes on Twitter afterwards. And we're dealing in a time of NIL now that you're also taking away maybe some money and some spotlight of not allowing him to speak. And if you're going to trust him to go lead your program to a win over your biggest rival, then you should trust him with a microphone. And I think it's baloney. I agree. I totally agree with that. I do. I do agree with the fact that that's how you can frame it to teams is don't you want to give your athlete this platform and the spotlight so that they can then make more money? Like who knows that could have affected his ability to make money or ability to do a commercial. Like someone would have seen that interview and been like, wow, what a great speaker. We want him for this. So there's like that side of it. There's also the, I know we talked about this last episode, the NIL situation that like, gosh, how much must it suck to be Spencer Rattler if you end up being the backup and you're making like six figures in NIL money and you just feel like, I I do, like how, it's human nature. How does it not give more, put more pressure on people? Yeah, but you know what? It sucks less than being Spencer Rattler and getting benched and making zero dollars. That's true. Being yeah. poor, being a poor college kid. Yeah. And what are so these true. deals like? Like, is there a clause in there that, hey, you only get paid for this if you're the starter? That's, you know, is it for the whole season? How, how are those deals done? I have no idea. No idea, but it's all a very world which I'm not familiar. But that actually um, brings up kind of your game this weekend in a roundabout way, Molly, because I know you have um, Florida LSU. Have you girls seen the gymnast? at LSU that is like the highest paid collegiate athlete right now. I was just reading an article on her yesterday. And of course I can't remember her name right now. So if you guys remember it, help me out. But um, they were saying like between, she is the most followed athlete on social media between her TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter's one is like 17,000 followers, but I mean, she's got over a million on the other ones. Olivia um, Dunn. She, thank you, Olivia yeah. Dunn. 
So she is the cutest damn thing. And she treats it like a job. Her social media, she said since she was 10 years old, she's treated it like a job. But they're they're, they're saying she could be making close to a million dollars a year. Oh, my God. Yeah. But good for her. This is what I love about NIL for as much as I, like there could be some things on the football side that in a team sport that, that causes some rifts, like for the women's basketball players or the gymnasts, like Suni Lee wouldn't have been able to take Olympic money, you know? And so good for her. Get all you can. This is gone. We have gone on another tangent, but uh, I think one, one more thing to add to that tangent, the funniest thing about NIL, because I remember reading about Olivia Dunn. It, it, it was basically an article about the highest paid college athletes through NIL and she's the highest, right? She's number mm-hmm. one or yeah. So I think number four, like in the top five is a backup wide receiver for, I think it's Ole Miss. And he's like a TikTok star and he never plays. <laughs> it's yeah. like, that's gotta be kind of weird. Like, dude, you're posting thirst traps and dancing shirtless and you're making, <laughs> you're making six figures, but, but I'm the leading, re- the team's leading receiver. And I'm making like, you know, half of what you're making. I think that's the funniest part. The fact that social media plays so much into it. And by the way, I'm going to warn everybody right now, if you are posting thirst traps, the first person that's going to call you out. <laughs> Molly McGrath. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I'm like, ooh, that's a thirst trap. I will screenshot your thirst trap. I will send it to Chris and Allison. <laughs> and I'll be like, wow, this looks pretty thirsty. <laughs> hey, if it gets you like a million followers and you can dance and you got some reels, like you do you. That's true. I'm telling People you what, I think- for money. We got to rethink this whole social media thing. I've never been one to embrace it. Um, every, I think every social media account I have, somebody else made me sign up for, but I, I think I need to reevaluate my life decisions now. Um, Chris, this weekend you have UCF and Cincinnati. So just be honest, like how difficult is it for you to be unbiased this weekend with uh, your Bearcats with covering them? I am so excited to go up there for a multiple of reasons. Uh, they have a new SID, Zach Stipe, who is awesome, who came from Tennessee, who I knew pretty well. I'm excited to cover this team. I just, though, like the more I dive into it, the more nervous I am that they're still going to go undefeated and get left out. Like there's so many scenarios. What? Yeah. This is their year. This is this is yeah. their best chance. If they're not going to make it they're this year, they're in the top four they're never right making now. It. Yeah. yeah. But let's say- How Al- do you bump them down if they went out? Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC so- championship. So Bama's in. Oh, Oregon could still get in. Oh, you could win. Like there's so many different scenarios. I'm I don't think you-, you put a one loss Pac-12 team in no, over an undefeated Cincinnati not. team. Listen, I, think I you, don't, but I'm telling you that the, those people that sit there in the playoff selection committee, when they look at the strength of schedule, Indiana was supposed to be a good win. It's not as much anymore. They really need help from Notre Dame to win out, to keep that. And then the only other ranked win they would have is they need SMU to stay undefeated so that when they play them, yeah. that would be their only other ranked win. I know I'm telling you, I love this team and I love Luke Fickle. So they, they like whooped the like the pants off temple the other day and his someone asked him about style points and he goes I don't know about style my wife dresses me she's got all the style you know what we do we go out and we finish games and I was like booyah you are my spirit animal he is a football guy (laughs) through and through oh my gosh god bless Luke Fickle 
Yeah. So that I makes me nervous, but I'm excited. You know, I, I always love watching Desmond Ritter play and I love that team. And I, I'm scrolling through trying to find the video. I had told you guys about it, but I want to do a report on the broadcast of watching that, um, the Peach Bowl and watching Georgia celebrate the trophy and three Cincinnati players standing in the end zone watching it go down. So we're trying to scroll through the footage that we have and see if we can spotlight and find out who those players are. It was on social too. Yeah. Yeah. Dak mm-hmm. should know. I mean, I know he hasn't been there very long. And if he hasn't, if he doesn't know, hit up Ryan. He'll know. <laughs> I, know. I bet I if you ask do. any player, I bet if you ask any player, they'll know too. Yeah. So, right. I'm, I'm just excited to, I wish it was a night game because I've never done an, uh, a nick at, night at Nippert, but it'll be a good one. Night at Nippert, night at Nippert. It's nip at night. Nip at night. <laughs> nip at night. Yeah. <laughs> Nippert's any, any good deeds for your game this weekend? Keep your shoe on, will you? Oh my goodness. Yeah. LSU Florida, the shoe game last year, that was like one of the games of the year. Right. And this year it definitely lost its luster, but it's still a rivalry game. And I think for both teams, especially for LSU, this is like a must win situation because things will go from like not great to really bad quickly. Um, And with rivalry games, people always get built up for those and they're always really emotional, which as a reporter, you love to see like emotions on the sidelines and it's unpredictable what's going to happen in the game. So I'm excited about it, but it's definitely not going to be as good as the shoe game last year. That was just the best. You never know. The fog could roll in and she could get crazy and you could find yourself at like the shoe part too. And you never know. That's what, that's what's fun about college football, right? So true. You never know what's going to happen. All right. Well, we will recap it all next week when we join you guys again on the Sideline Pass podcast. So that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Like, share, tweet, do all that potty stuff. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you guys for listening to the Sideline Pass podcast. Don't forget to download, rate, and review, and we will see you next week.